Hey, welcome to the Super Hot Bad Guy Podcast, the place where we talk about the bad guys and gals from films and TV and discuss why we find them so sexy. We're your hosts, Markella Dykvist, Natasha Baptiste, and Eric Blake. Eric, what have you been doing lately? Kind of just working a little bit more. You know, we're going to be moving soon, and then I'm taking a trip to Hong Kong in November. So I have to just have a little extra cash, you know, saved up on top of what I have saved already. So a lot of work and then finished up the Stormtrooper. So I've been doing a lot of alterations and I'm like getting ready to install my fans so I can go like outdoors in it and not die because it's very hot to wear the whole suit. Is the fans just in your headpiece? Yeah. What they do is one pulls air in, one pushes air out. So you just have fresh breathing air the whole time. And apparently that's all people really need for starters because the rest of the suit kind of breathes a little better. You just feel so much better when your head is cool. I guess I don't think about how complicated that is. Like it sounds so complicated. I knew I'd need to eventually because I'd seen other people's helmets. And once I tried it on, like I just did someone's birthday party without fans and they had AC, so it was okay. You did someone's birthday party? Yeah. What do you mean? Like a clown? Kind of. They were doing a surprise party and it was a really big Star Wars fan friend. And I was like, this sounds like a great opportunity to wear the armor because that'll be surprising nonetheless. How old was the birthday kid? Good question. I think uh, 30-something, early 30s. Oh, nice. And did you... So it wasn't for like a kid or anything. Yeah. It wasn't for... No, I mean, I just meant kid like, hey, kid. I just call everybody kid. Hey, cat. It was an adult kid. We do kids' birthdays for like the fundraising stuff. And I guess I could have been like, take some donations. But this was actually just a good opportunity for me to put on the armor, learn how long it takes me to get on walk around in it, do like a party and see how it works. Did you do pictures where you are you put your hand on their back and you lean in and then you sort of, yeah. throw like a peace sign up? Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it all, it all felt good. So I'm pretty excited to actually start doing troops in it. And it only needs a little more work. What have you been up to? Um, I can't really think past my experience from last night. So we're recording at about noon on a Sunday and I went to a party last night, a birthday party, and it was a lot of fun. We kind of moved the coffee table out of the way and had like a dance party and I had a good time, but I, I don't drink a lot. And I'm also on top of me being vegan. I'm also on a diet. And so my body's going through some changes oh. and I I shouldn't be having beer right now. So I brought a bottle of white wine and I've never drank a bottle of wine before by myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun experience. Yeah. And so we were, everyone was dancing and then the music was coming from her laptop. The laptop had like a little blip. So the music stopped. And then all of a sudden, everyone was just like, oh, I got, you know, oh, it's getting late. We're going to go. So everyone left and I turned around and my, the bottle of my wine was empty because of me. (laughs) And I was just like, thanks so much for the party. And I left and I walked to my car and I was so drunk that I, I think I left at like maybe 1230 at night. And (laughs) my car this morning was covered in this like tinsel because I had like a tinsel wig. It was like a rainbow tinsel wig. My car was covered in tinsel. I had slept in my car for about two and a half hours. I woke up at almost three in the morning, like up on Capitol Hill. Yeah. 
Uh, I had opened my passenger side door and thrown up twice. Jeez. Oh, gosh. I uh, had some coffee from earlier that I remember when I first got into the car with my super drunk strength, I had squeezed the top off of it and had spilled in the seat. Mm. And then I opened up like the, I got all my car nap, like I have car napkins because yeah. I'm thr- I'm cool. <laughs> and I like had wiped it all up, but then I had slept there and then I couldn't find my phone because I was sleeping on my phone. Oh, and gosh. this morning I went to my car and I, I saw like my nest that I had made in the daylight and I was like, geez. Yeah, I I woke up in my car last night. I was very cold and I drove home. And when I got home, my husband was like holding both of our cats and he was like, it's us. And I was like, "Ah, ah," and I just like went into the bed and I fell asleep. Um, And I am blessed without having to deal with hangovers. So I just Got up this morning at 8.30 a.m. and I was, I went and got my husband some coffee and started cleaning the house and I feel fine. (laughs) (laughs) My back is a little bit sore though because I, I danced last night with my back for the first time. And so we've been doing a lot of core building exercises and I've been doing pelvic floor strengthening things like that and I was able to do some dancing last night that I haven't been able to do since I was like 22 but I feel very stiff yeah (laughs) how are you I had a similar experience last yeah last weekend oh really okay because it was one of our co-workers he got married him and his wife they're a little bit older so they like just had an open bar reception classic but it was on Friday and we work Saturdays. So I was like, all right, I'll just have like three beers and won't be that big of a deal. Not what happened. Had like three beers and like two or three shots and then vodka sodas the rest of the night. And I remember leaving and seeing my coworkers and we we're like kind of chatting. And then after that, I kind of don't remember. So apparently I bought hot dogs because it was up on Capitol Hill <laughs> on Earth I'm, Soul Repair. I'm going to be straight with you. I, I think I bought hot dogs. <laughs> I well, hot dogs. judging by my uh, debit card statement, I <laughs> I definitely bought two because it was $12. And I was like, there's no hot dog in the world that costs $12. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure I bought two. So his wife's name is Erin. So her sister, I did her hair earlier that day. And she was like, oh, she can just sleep at Johnny's place, which is the guy that got married. And I didn't know that I went back to his house to like crash. I thought I went to my friend Cynthia's <laughs> place that I also work with. So I woke up. And I saw him and Johnny and Aaron pictures everywhere. And I was like, why does Anthea have pictures of Johnny and Aaron? Like, we work together and we're all friends, but I did not get it. And I kind of woke up and I was like, what is happening? I apparently attempted to take off my pants, but I didn't only took off one shoe. And so, <laughs> like, it just didn't work out. And I, like, woke up at 7, luckily, and I had to work at 10. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm up. And went to the Starbucks at QFC, mm-hmm. looking a hot mess. Like, I had mustard all over me. Did you Did see not yourself know. before you left? No, no, because I just, I ordered a lift Natasha. to take me to <laughs> my car, because I just left my car at the parking lot. So I had, a, I ordered a lift to take me there. I didn't know what the hell I looked like. 
And I was just kind of hungover and didn't really care, honestly, at that point. It's 7 o'clock in the morning on Capitol Hill. I'm yeah. sure they've seen worse. So I, like, got coffee, but I tried to keep my head down, and I put my head on. So I was like, no one see me <laughs> no like <one>. this. <laughs> but when I got in my car and I looked at myself, like, mustard, like, huge cloth really? of mustard, like, on my pants, on my shirt. Mustard stains well, come out, do they? They do come out, but okay. um, the I mean, they're black pants. <laughs> The yeah. shame. Yeah, the, the mustard, shame. No. The mustard shame will the always stay The mustard shame will always stay with you. <laughs> the stain runs deep. But I had no idea what was going on. But yeah, I got in my car and I was like, oh my gosh, I look like a crazy person. Super hungover. <laughs> trying to like wake up so I could get to work and That's fantastic. Like, get ready. It was such a hard day to go to work. <laughs> and so... So, but you said you didn't remember whose house you were in? I didn't remember going and to their house. And you don't yeah. remember buying hot dogs? I must have turned around, saw hot dogs, and went and beelined for it. <laughs> but, like, awesome. I don't remember walking across the street. And I was wearing, like, five-inch heels. Like, I wasn't wearing easy shoes to walk in. I was like, how did I not fall? Like, I have no scratches on me. That reminds I'm not me. hurt in any real way. A couple, of, <laughs> a couple of years ago on the hill, I had, I was drunk enough that I bought a hot dog from one of the stands and then we went into the Elysian and it was raining and I was so drunk that before I went in I set my hot dog down by the door oh no and I was like there <laughs> and then I just walked in <laughs> anyway I don't even think Elysian would have cared yeah I wanted to be respectful <laughs> so guess what we didn't do on our last podcast our pinhead podcast food no, we did that. We oh, did do that. Okay. Yeah. What we didn't do was we didn't go around and decide if he was hot or not. What? So can we do that now? I guess so. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Pinhead from the Hellraiser series, is he hot or not? I think that he is super, 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 super hot. Uh, and I love him and I want to meet him and I want to hang out with him and live with him and... <laughs> Go to, to see where he lives, and I want to meet all of his friends, and I want him to tell me everything, and I want him to read me books. Um, how do you feel about Pinhead? <laughs> <laughs> you had a very romantic like, I, feeling towards Oh, Pinhead. he's just so great. I can see why Pinhead would be super hot. But <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Not, I mean, I guess I can see why he could be super hot, but totally not my cup of tea. I remember in, the, in that podcast, you were like... No, he's not hot. Like, he's hot, but he's not. I could understand why other people would see him as being, like, super hot. I think per that discussion, I do think there are other Cenobites that are hotter or, like, elicit more obvious, like, fetishism. I agree. But I think he's a good character. I like him in the first couple movies where he's more neutral or rather just, he's not really a villain. So it's... He's so calm. He's a a force, but not a Mm -hmm. villain. I think he's just really cool. And when they make him more of, like, a sadistic villain later on, he's still got the cool power play. Um, he's still hot. Cool. So today we're talking about Daisy Domergue from The Hateful Eight or Daisy Domingue. There's so That's many real last name. people keep saying it like weird ways that someone was like listening to me watch this in the other room and they were just like, what is that character's name? Domergue? Daisy Domergue. <laughs> okay. And what does Daisy look like? A little, um ratchet she goes through (laughs) she goes through a lot of costume changes in the movie as do a lot of female characters in films uh she wears furry hats 
Her hair was in braids at one point, and then she kind of takes her hair braids down, and then she takes the braids out of her hair. She's well, bl- she's not done up like a lady. She's blonde. No. No, I don't think she starts out with, like, any makeup or anything. Did they have makeup in the 1870s or whatever it was? That just wasn't her character, though. I mean, she ran with a gang. She didn't really... Yes. Yeah. She wasn't trying to be, like, some pretty... She's she a little rough. Like, she looks encrusted in filth when you first meet her, just sort of yeah. like no. she was picked up off the road. I, g- I mean, obviously it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, like right away. She like instantly gets bloodied up and is perpetually getting more and more, more bloody bloodied up. As the film goes, yeah. I wonder when the hangman captures her, because when we see them, she only has a black eye. And then increasingly throughout the movie, she has all kinds of stuff on her face. And um, someone pointed out that only her face is visible throughout the film, but so is everybody's. Like, you don't really yeah. see... Everybody's wearing gloves because it's really it's cold. cold. And they're dressed, you know, from head to toe, like, covered because of the temperature. It's cold, yeah. I ran into so much... Uh, feminism issues online. Same. And I was like, where are you getting this from? I know. A lot of it (laughs) upset me because I think that a lot of people are overreacting in this case. Yeah. Especially in this film. And not only that, but they're like, oh, they just like were dropping the N-bomb. I was like, it was right after the Civil War. I know. What were you expecting them to say? They And she drops the first N-bomb in the movie. That's in my notes. Yeah. With the N-bomb... It, it bothers me because I think the only time I'm around that word is is if I'm watching a Quentin Tarantino movie or I'm watching like vines that people put up. It's like, it's really effective on me and it makes me uncomfortable. I think but, maybe that's why I got so weird about it, but it was like, did you not hear the context of the entire movie? No, like I it know. was right after the Civil War. Nobody liked each other. <laughs> I, I disagree. So... I disagree when people online say that people use that word just to use it because they can get away with it. I mean, unless there's a film or a show or something where it's obvious that they're doing that, and I'm pretty sure Quentin Tarantino is not doing that. Yeah. And never And will. even in his films, it's like, all they're not like these well-to-do suburban, like, did everything right in their lives, like, characters. Yeah. They're all a little rough, so, like, you'd almost expect them to say things that aren't PC because they're not, like, your nice guys they're and that's the thing about the feminism in the movie people online were saying you know well why do they have to all pick on daisy and it's like well because daisy's an outlaw she's a fugitive and she (laughs) is going to be hung that's what she's doing yeah and everyone is like well they're you know everyone in that movie is just as bad as she is and it's like well yeah that's why it's called the hateful eight every character in the film is a villain but she is in a gang and then there was what so i finally discovered how to use reddit by the way oh well oh, nice so I welcome was, to reddit i was on reddit y'all for a while and <laughs> uh this one woman she kept going into these like reddit i guess forums and she was saying like you know daisy's my favorite character i really don't see how she did anything wrong in this film number one Daisy's gang treats Minnie and Sweet Dave and like all the people that work for them. They were pretty awful. Yeah. They killed them really bad. And Daisy. For like no real reason. They could have just like hid them somewhere, but they like killed them. Yeah. And this woman seems to think that even when Daisy kills, well, she doesn't kill John, but when John, the hangman, gets poisoned and OB gets poisoned. 
and Daisy's just like super cool with it. Yeah. Like she is loving that. And based on how the rest of the Domingue gang kills those people, it's like obviously Daisy's an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand why people are complaining that. So to me, they're saying that because she's a woman, she shouldn't be hit and like yeah. treated like that and stuff. But if a man but, was in that role, they'd be like cool with it. I like, know. So that was cool. I feel like aren't they the ones being sexist because they are the ones saying, "Oh, because she's a woman, she's treated like this." They are the ones saying because she's a woman, nobody yeah. else is doing that. Yeah, like no, you don't see that <laughs> at any other. Like if it was all men and they were trying to catch this fugitive, they'd all be like, "Oh, he's the ringleader. Yeah. Like he deserved it." They went out of their way. And Mr. arrives just to save this chick. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's the dude's sister, but they didn't have to. No. She was just some chick that got caught. She could have just been collateral damage. I wish this was a whole, like, series where every movie Me you too. get, like, a vignette after of a character. it ended, I was like, I really want to know more about all these characters. Because yeah. they were all fascinating. And you only got, like, such a little look. You do. I guess, like, Kurt Russell's character... John, he captures her and very much treats her like someone who doesn't have any power. But every time she gets hit, like she recoils with this smile every time. You know, she creates the whole situation that causes all the paranoia in the cabin. Like they realize someone's got to be in cahoots with her and they just don't realize how much has happened. So she creates basically the enemy among us. And even though they know she's bad, she also turns their focus to everybody else, which allows so much of the drama to unfold. I mean, obviously, it's a movie where every character is a villain, but she's the main villain because everything is centered around her. And it's so fascinating to me why she is that important. And I understand that gangs are like families. And so, especially since she is actually the sister of the leader of the gang. But she has to be (laughs) so much more than that. I mean, her bond was like, what, Mm $10,000? And like, back in that time period, it was a lot. They made a point of saying how much more she's worth than your average criminal. Because they're like, oh, they're usually like 2000 or 3000 but she's worth ten. They tried to play it off like, oh, she's well. You Sam- know, this Samuel guy's L. Sister. Jackson's doesn't he have like three? Yes, three. But and those are eight thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. And then her all by herself is ten thousand. And then they at the end they said her brother was worth like fifty thousand because he's the leader, I guess. Yeah. So I feel like that was like they try to brush it away, like oh, it's because she's the sister. But who gives a shit? Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure a lot of gang members had sisters. Like she obviously does a lot more or had a lot more sketchy crap in her past to make her so valuable she has not that much to do in the movie because she's told to be quiet so she can't talk that much and then she also can't physically do very much because she's chained yeah yeah, she's handcuffed the entire movie so the little things that she does are so important (laughs) your feet are crossed the way that my cat so my cat will like lay in a thing and she looks like she's ho- she's hugging her foot and that's what you look like you're doing. It's a nice stretch. It's horrible. Um, but Daisy, she 
has these little breaks in the film where I think the second time she gets hit when they're in the stagecoach, she looks out the window and I actually can't figure out why she did this. I didn't see anything in the movie that kind of like, I didn't know what this moment meant. And I thought I would. I know later. the moment you're talking about, though, she when she goes smiles window. to sad to smile again. Yeah, and yeah. She, oh, that's so creepy. But yeah. what is she thinking about? Because I feel like it. There's nothing that comes back to that scene in the movie. I think she's just had her. It. You know, she's just had the hangman's whole speech said to Marquis. 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 Something. Something. The the major. And she's kind of thinking like, well, shit. Is anyone gonna save me from this? Maybe. I think she's just completely like. She's wondering if everything shock. will go t- according to plan. Yeah. And then the other kind of special stuff she does in the movie is when she just kind of looks happy. I guess. I always I love that. I love it when villains look happy, like genuinely, like happy. Like even when she got her teeth knocked out, she was kind of laughing about it. And it yeah. Was like, <laughs> God, this chick is like, because she was getting hit in the face hard. Like the mm-hmm. way they like played it up, like oh, she was terrible. getting hit heart in her face and, and she just come thing, back smiling another thing i saw online was people say a lot of people were like uh her getting hit and like punched in the face is played for laughs and i was like no it's pretty uncomfortable what movie are you yeah watching yeah like, who are you watching this movie it's with? definitely painful to watch it's not yeah. supposed to be funny no it looked brutal like yeah. every time she would get hit it was bad i know that uh on purpose like quentin tarantino he would do something really funny right before she got hit but her getting hit is not supposed to be funny what he's doing is like fucking with you like yeah it's supposed to be like haha isn't this funny you're laughing oh now this awful thing is happening gotcha yeah. it's not the whole thing is it's like this is a quentin tarantino funny. movie there's gonna be violence and ultra violence and yeah the verbal communication is pretty violent as well as the physical communication yeah. like it's a it's a whirlwind movie do you guys consider any of them a worse villain than the other? Oh my gosh, Samuel L. Jackson, when he was telling the story. <laughs> I agree. About the guy's son, and I was like, it kept going. You yeah. thought it was going to end, and you're like, I, I can't tell idea. if he was just making that up. I think, he, yeah. I think he did make that up. Because in the film, he sh- he gets shown more than once as being like like a, a liar. compulsive liar. For good reason. Oh, to get a reaction out of people. Yeah, yeah. And, but still, like, I hate the idea of hurting old people's feelings or, like, mentally or physically just making old people sad or angry on purpose. I just, oh. That's not what got me, though. I get why he was doing it, but I was like, dude, how are you still alive right now? <laughs> I was, like, waiting for it. Because they call him the N-bomb who's quick with his hands, so that, yeah. that means he's a fast draw. Yeah. So I was, like, waiting. I was like, are they going to show Shoot. this skill? And yeah. they, they sure do. <laughs> and he gets a lot of play. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. When the Domingue gang murder Minnie and everyone had the haberdashery, I was trying to figure out if I thought that that was worse than what Samuel L. Jackson said that he did to that guy's son. Because to me, it's like what he did to a son and the fact that he's telling him like, haha, guess what I did. I understand that the murdering everyone at the haberdashery is way worse, but I guess I just... The scene where he's taunting the old like they're man is par. like... I, I think so too. <laughs> To me, I guess those are like the two most rough scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah. They're both really rough just because, one, he's telling that to the guy's dad. No one wants to hear that about yeah. their child Bruce ever. Bruce Dern, that's his name. Yeah. yeah. And then 
too, like, when they came to the haberdashery, like, they were all being friendly. They're all talking, joking around, mm-hmm. like, she's showing them around, trying to get them coffee and stuff, and make their meals, like, she's trying to make everybody all comfortable, and then out of nowhere, they're just like, okay, it's time to murder them. It's so weird that they had to be, like, the nicest people ever. Yeah. <laughs> and they have that really touristy stagecoach. Like, yeah. I love how Zoe Bell, like, this is kind of an anachronism because it's too touristy. You know who she reminded me of? It's modern tourism style. Yeah. She reminded me of that made-for-TV Peter Pan movie from the 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Peter Pan was played by that blonde lady. Um, I wish... Because she's wearing a skin-tight, like, similar I thought her last name colored... was Stuart, but I can't actually remember her name right now. Uh... Yeah, I, but that's what she reminded me of. She, Because she's on the coach and she kind of like goes back <laughs> with like her arm like, here it is, the haberdashery. And I was yeah. like, it's Peter Pan. <laughs> but yeah, like the first shot I really liked with Daisy is uh, 10 minutes and three seconds into the movie. She like shoots a snot rocket at the major. And then she does this smile where she moves back into the carriage. Oh, where so cute. A post bisects her face. Yeah. So her black eye side is in the darkness yeah. and it's yeah. like kind of frowny and then it's like smiling on the bright side. I was yeah. like, whoa, Quentin Tarantino never like, he is very liberal with imagery that has symbolic meaning. And that was just like such a like a black and white thing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to like this character because she's not as bad as everyone else. But hey, she's still like a bad guy. Well, you like yeah. for the most part, you do like all the characters. Yeah, I well, liked all of them. Yeah. Really? And they're all Horrible people. There are horrible, horrible people. <laughs> and I, I liked, liked all, all of them. them. I didn't like the sheriff guy oh, until the end of the <laughs> until the end of the movie when like he stopped being such like I feel like he was like, oh wow, racism is kinda like Chris. Chris not, not helping me at all. When I, I guess when we first met him, I was like, ugh. Annoying. Well, he does that when, when he talks. He moves his body like oh, a yeah. like a snake from like the valley from like. And I feel like a very expressive plays like, the same person. character in almost everything I've seen. Him yeah, I love it. What's his name? Way. He's a pretty cool Walton guy. Walton Walter Goggins. Goggins. Yeah, he's, he's in kinda... Vice Principals on HBO. And it's oh, so I have funny. to see that. Oh, so I'm funny. a huge Danny McBride fan. <laughs> Yeah. He could be one of our villains, because yeah. he is seriously a villain in everything. Like. Awesome. This time around, I actually thought he was kind of hot. Oh, I love him. Crass! <laughs> I love he's how justified, and he's, like, one of my favorite people really? on that show. Like, love his character. <laughs> uh, Chris Mannix. And he always dresses the same, too. Like, he always looks like he's in a Western, like, in everything he plays. I love You're him. right. I, I agree. <laughs> um, he, he did just nail that part. And yeah. so I really liked when they first stopped for the marshal and like do that whole give your guns to the driver we're interrogating you from light love uh, grand and then like then you can approach <laughs> yeah and then they see the guy like 50 yards away and they're like and they get into the caravan <laughs> and do the same it's thing so again cute. i actually laughed really hard when they cut and it was the, they're in the caravan again questioning this poor guy i was like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's so silly like so we have to stop for a second because this was my second time seeing this film movie but the first time for you guys so isn't it an amazing movie it really I is i would it. like to see it in the 70 millimeter because it was ugh, as i was watching i was like i could tell that there's on the screen i'm watching it, it on there's like two to three inches on either side of landscape and cinematography that i'm just missing You're out missing on missing out yeah and like yeah. there's so many beautiful shots of wyoming just with what they got yeah but they went through one shot they're just panning across birch trees in the snow yes and i was like i want to see the full thing because i know whoever scouted that place was like check it out you go through here straight line you go through here out so it's not quite like a tree farm look oh it looks so good 
Yeah, uh, it's so beautiful. I the grew up in a winter about... state in Vermont where there's like those kind of beautiful winters. Yeah. So I know what that actually looks like. And when it looks that good, even on my small screen, I just know how amazing it must look in 70 millimeter. You can yeah. see pictures of this online, but the other thing about the 70 millimeter was they had these huge red and black screens for the overtures. It was like they had it uh, before the film where they played the music and then they had it, we had a an intermission and it said intermission and it was a, a red screen with black trees or something or it was like a skyline. That's what he's always wanted to do. Yeah, and it was just, it was very reminiscent of the Gone with the Wind, like the intermission mm-hmm. screens and stuff and it was so powerful and if like you're in, in the seattle other. listening to this this is going to be playing at the uh it is yep this is oh. playing at the 70 millimeter fest there might what? still be tickets for hateful eight i would see that again uh yeah alan your husband posted this as oh really well, oh, sorry baby <laughs> he might already have tickets to what he's gonna go see but they are playing um i think they're playing gone with the wind hateful eight uh, oh, an man. experimental film. I would film. definitely see Hateful There's a movie called Baraka, which is... I've heard of it. It's like a silent documentary, if you will. Oh, Baraka, yeah. I've only seen it digital. I did not realize it was a 70 millimeter originally, but I guarantee that's going to be very entertaining. Is it the, um, is it central cinemas that have the really yeah. hard, like, wooden seats? They're like old 70s, like, bus seats almost. Mm-hmm. It's like really hard. The whole thing is made out of wood and they're just... And they're really thin too, like it's only like this much space to sit. Mm. So I sat in those seats and we watched Gone with the Wind, which is over three hours long. And it was horrible. (laughs) I mean, the movie was amazing, but it was the most uncomfortable I've ever had to sit through a movie. (laughs) All right. So they're doing 2001 A Space Odyssey, motherfucking aliens. Oh, I don't like aliens. Apocalypse Now, Baraka, uh, Inherent Vice. I did. I watched like five minutes of that movie. I didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> the really? cover isn't. Yeah, they're doing Interstellar. I like Lawrence of Arabia, Interstellar. Life Force, Patton. Life Force. They're in... actually doing some that I will probably not catch. But Hateful Eight. September, I would watch September fifteenth. Life... Still has three hundred four scenes. Shit. But yeah, these are really our, good movies for to our watch Seattle in fans. The look up. Uh, just go to Cinerama.com, and there's a little blob like right below that opening screen that says seventy millimeter fest. Tons of great movies. And if you want to see Hatefully in the original 70 mil, ugh, the pleasures. Yeah. Oh, you have no idea. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear very good things from everybody I've talked to about it. It's a different movie-going experience. You do get the intermissions. And this is like Quentin Tarantino just being a fanboy for old-school film. He's always liked to do this kind of thing. And I mean, you get to hear Ennio Morricone's soundtrack mm-hmm. in Surround. Ugh, I can only imagine. I think one of my favorite parts of the movie, character-wise, is when Daisy and the hangman come in and Oswaldo Mowbray, uh, he's just like, oh, a, a lady. And she kind of does this like bashful like curtsy thing. <laughs> and I love the moments in the film. And this is not sexist. I just think it's cute and it's fun, especially in a film like this where there's not a lot of that it's just a good contrast but I love the moments where Daisy is kind of like sweet and I hate to say I hate to use the word feminine because it makes it makes me sound like I'm being sexist but it's I don't know it's just it's cute. always very sarcastic I love though. it I love it when she's cute and I because I love it when villains are endearing and just happy and cute and she that would actually she be a really good dichotomy like for our entire show is this villain endearing or sexy 
Because, <laughs> like, I feel like Freddy Krueger is more endearing in some ways when he gets a little more punny. I think he's yeah. both. <laughs> and then he's, but he's sexy first and then endearing. I don't yeah. know. And then, but that's for another. And then like Freddy's dead. Character. He's neither endearing. I liked her. I was yeah. like, is she really a villain? Because <laughs> I remember when John, Kurt Russell's character, is like... John is endearing, too. When he's like, the hey... The man is so... Because he's the... I think he's the least racist one out of everyone. Oh, and he, I mean, he's racist, too, but he's... I feel like he's the only one giving some relief and, like, standing up for, like, Samuel L. Jackson's character a little bit. What were you saying? What was I saying? I'm sorry. Oh, 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 when he tells her to play the next verses of the song and then like sips the coffee and that's when she's very sarcastically like, whatever you say, John, like very (laughs) politely, like very ladylike, like whatever you want, like, oh, I'm just a homie. Like just, it's just so, but it's very tongue in cheek. And, uh. Well, cause they've been chained together. Or, well, they haven't been chained together for a while, but. It's not really Do until, Do they start like, out chained together and then no. it's coached? In the coach, yes. Okay. They're handcuffed together. They are? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Remember when she yeah. spits on the letter. Yeah, And he right. gets knocked out. Yeah. Kurt Russell goes flying with oh, her. Oh, yeah, cause she, he punches the crap out of her and then she flies out of the coach and he like the marshal yeah. punches yeah 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 because yeah. i already like had a good read on her character as soon as like i saw that kurt russell was reading the letter next to her i was like oh my god she's gonna fuck up that letter and it's not gonna be pretty <laughs> like this shit's going down already i actually really liked the pacing of this film i have a friend of mine who commented saying like oh i just i just thought this movie was so slow and oh did you like I the? I loved how slow it was. Did you like the Quentin Tarantino uh, voiceover? Oh, I did. I thought that was very funny yeah. where it came in too, because it was just like it's sort of a. It's like a. We need to move this particular scene along just a little bit. I know, but it was like a like an eighties nineties oh, like so sit- sitcom voice. It was like eighties, almost like Dukes of Hazard, like earlier that day. Blah 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 yeah. blah 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 blah. <laughs> Do you guys remember when Daisy's playing that really beautiful song in the guitar? Oh, is this <laughs> the guitar incident? Yes! Oh yeah. my god. I heard this is one of those things that I heard about. And then when I watched the movie, I was like, oh yeah, isn't that? And then when she reacts, oh, okay, so okay, tell so the story. Okay, so you remember when he smashes the guitar? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen to this. The guitar that Daisy Domergue plays while singing Jim Jones was a priceless antique from the 1870s on loan from the Martin Guitar Museum. At the end of the song, the script called for John Ruth to grab the guitar and smash it to pieces. They had built replicas for the smashing shot, but no one informed Kurt Russell, so he destroyed the original guitar before anyone could stop him. Jennifer Jason Lee's shocked reaction to this is genuine and can be seen in the released film. The Martin Guitar Museum will never loan guitars to film shoots ever again. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) How do you forget to tell someone about something so important? I don't know, and I... You can watch that scene. There's a clip on uh, YouTube of that When she was surprised, I was like... Because she... There's some scenes in the film where Daisy acts kind of what you would consider out of character because movies are changing now. People are trying to be like not so stereotypical with their roles. Yeah. Uh, So she has these kind of outbursts you wouldn't expect. When he smashes the guitar and she like looks over at 
I, I was assuming the other characters, and she's like, whoa, 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 wait, whoa. Yeah. I was just like, that's an interesting character choice, but yeah, yeah that's just, okay. that's just her. she seemed super, like, Cause, and I was really like, bent out of shape about it, and you're like... And I was like, right. why did they, why did she choose to, like, look off frame? Like, who is she looking at? Oh, she looks scene? at Quentin yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, she's like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa. <laughs> and so it was funny, because cool. I had read that, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had read that story before, so I was like, when he picked it up, I was like, isn't there, oh my, and then like her reaction, I, I actually Russell. understood yeah. it in context. Well, the studio paid for those damages, so they like paid a he- like a hefty sum to that museum. Yeah. It's just, it'll go down in like her acting career, like, and here is some candid <laughs> Jennifer Jason Leigh. And I don't know if, because I feel like her reaction to that does kind of match her other little outbursts in the film. So I'm wondering if it's just happenstance that it kind of flows with flows, what her yeah. with who her character is. Or I almost wonder if they made her do some little outbursts to kind to of in what, a, yeah, yeah align with her, <laughs> that <laughs> reaction she had. And it, I mean, we have the EMP here. And if you walk through that museum history, one of their oldest is like, it's like a really, really old Gibson, I think 1800s. But I mean, that Martin, it's so old. It's something that like not many people will capture on camera, like the destruction of a really proper antique and just so brazenly too. I don't know if it said in that story you just read, but like apparently Quentin Tarantino like had a little smirk on his face just because he was like, well, we just got the shot. But like he was like a pain smirk where it's like, oh, we're going to pay yeah, for that. Yeah, he's probably mortified. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> like, like everybody was. I, I think he has like a sense of humor about material goods. And he probably like in the end was kind of, I don't know, that would be that would be a question I would ask him. Like, wh- how did you feel about that Martin being destroyed? Was that did you actually think that that was funny in <laughs> a sense of like the comic happenings of the universe? Or were you like pissed? <laughs> I did not know that. That's really that's sad. It's so sad. But that makes way more that sense. That must just be awful was... for everyone, especially the person that I guess whoever was supposed to tell Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the people that built those replicas. I mean. Yeah, they're probably sitting there like. Yeah. And they didn't do. You know, they could have like made that make some sense. Like if there was exposition. What if they tried to pass it like, off if it and was be her like, brother's they try to give the something. replica. They tried to give the replica back to the museum, like like yeah. a Frasier episode. <laughs> Oh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, um, I started bringing this up and then I got sidetracked, but uh, everyone in the film is covered head to toe, right? Like only their faces Mm -hmm. are visible. And I was trying to like find some sort of sexism since everybody apparently sees so much in this film and I and I don't see it. One thing I did notice was yeah, it's it's great that Daisy is just as covered up as everybody else. Like it's fucking fantastic but i did notice that she gets splashed in the face a lot with stuff like with soup and blood and brains and you can look at it and say you know isn't it cool that like a care like a i guess a female character i just feel i'm sorry but i just feel like it's sexist to say a female character like if you single out someone for being female aren't you the one being sexist and anti-feminist but anyway but I mean, like, I guess you could say it's cool that a female character gets so like dirty and gross. Like she doesn't have to be pretty. Yeah. Like you like, can she say all that off pretty bad, and then she ended pretty pretty disgusting. bad. <laughs> yeah. Like it I was mean, not like she started she like off a pretty. <laughs> and I'm 
I'm like really happy they didn't try to make her like this pretty like villain. Exactly, like, she it's, was it's rough. Awesome. Well, yeah. she but because she's pretty regardless. Yeah. And in fact, when they're in the stagecoach and she gets punched in the face, and then she looks over at Samuel Samuel L. Jackson. I think she winks at him or licks the blood off her lips or something. Yeah, she's so. Good looking. She's so good looking. I think that's the best that she looks in the movie. Just because she has like that vi- that villainous like grin that you normally see in films. Yeah. But so I was going to say like if I'm going to like if I have to pick out something that's that's weirdly sexist, I guess you could say like she does get splashed in the face a lot with yeah. liquids. <laughs> that could be like a sexual thing, thing. I guess. Yeah. Like if you want to look at it that way. You really have to try to read this. Yeah. I think that there's nothing yeah. wrong with the movie. Yeah, yeah like I mean, if, like, <laughs> if her character had been a man, she would have been treated the same way because when they say, you know, she's not a lady, what they're kind of also saying is she's a filthy, she no lady. She's a filthy killer <laughs> like us, but she has a price on her head. Mm-hmm. So we are want to treat her like this yeah. because we want to get her somewhere and collect that money. I mean, they're basically saying she's one of the guys and that's important because once everybody's in that cabin... Everybody's a killer. Everybody's lying to yeah. a degree, mm-hmm. or at least is presenting, you know, a false front. I grabbed something off of Reddit. So I, this was my first time on this website. So I didn't ask this person. So I don't know if you can talk to people directly on Reddit. You can. You can. Okay. Well, I didn't ask this person if I could read this. So I'm just going to read it. His, uh, read their username. It, and... The username is Cool Hand Sam. Okay. So this was Cool Hand Sam from like a Reddit forum post and I really really loved what he had to say and it's about like what what we're talking about here so yeah Sam can be uh, whoever you want them to be (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so they said because Daisy's a girl she can't be roughed up Uh, this is in the middle of kind of like an argument Uh, cool hand Sam is defending Daisy right now so they say uh, because Daisy's a girl she uh, she can't be roughed up like the boys I think the character of Daisy stands toe-to-toe with all the characters in her own right. She taunts, she's gross, she's racist, which I, th- I think that's her- horrible to say. But anyway, she she's diabolical. She can do it all with a wicked grin on her face and a guitar in her hands. In my opinion, that makes her just as, if not more, hateful than every other character. Daisy is a horrible person, but something about the line, tell him Daisy sent ya makes us all smile to reduce her to a sexist character that only exists to get beaten for no reason is extremely short-sighted and discounts what tarantino had in mind for not only the character but for the way he and jennifer brought that character to life never mind the fact that you rarely see a 50 plus year old female actor in major roles but to realize that she willingly went in with no mascara or foundation or blush to make her look attractive and ended up a loogie hawken front teeth missing racial slur yelling devil oh i hate that and so i just like shivered i hate i hate racist things anyway (laughs) uh says a little about jennifer and quentin's dedication to the storytelling see a lot of characters in this movie are either hateful because they're racist or hateful because of racism that's one of the martial or the majors big things is like he had to deal with white people for so long he has to carry a letter around supposedly from abraham lincoln to feel safe or make any sort of headway (sighs) among white folk it's a pretty key part of the movie i'd say and it's just one level that everybody's hateful on like they're all hateful on different causes 
Like, racism yeah. is one. Murder in general is another one where the hangman doesn't like murderers, so he doesn't do his own murdering. He mm-hmm. brings them to the, the Well, yeah. no, I really think that it is because he feels like hangmen, they have their job, and he doesn't, he literally doesn't want to take their job away from them. He wants them to get paid too, and I feel like he really does believe that. And I think that in the film, I think that John is my favorite character because he's so... He's so I feel gullible. Like, I feel like he has a really good heart. And I think that what makes him the villain, because he, he is just as much a villain as everyone else. And what makes him a villain is the fact that he is so physically violent, like with Daisy and probably with everyone else that he, you know, brings in. He's got kind of the most like pure mind because he's very considerate when it comes to hangmen. Yeah. But he's also very gullible. Like he's seen I this know. letter before. Oh my God, when he had the even letter. Though he, even though he has so, he's <sighs> had so much time to think about it, he's yeah. never thought... What if that letter is bullshit? Like, he know, never but... thought about that because he doesn't second-guess like second guess humanity. That's why he treats her so rough, too. Like, he does not, for a second, undermine her or under uh, underestimate her. He definitely thinks, as soon as he gets there, like, someone here is in cahoots with her Yeah. because he's paranoid, but it's like... You know, there's so many examples in this movie of how not sexist the characters are with Daisy. I mean, they don't act, they don't treat Daisy like she's stupid. No. They don't treat Daisy like she's a sexual being. No. They don't... I... This movie is so not sexist. Yeah. It's astounding how much people say it is sexist. Yeah. Because I don't think it is. It's really annoying. And I didn't get that from the movie. So when I read the review and like half this guy's review was about how sexist it was. Yeah. And then he went on the racist thing and I was like, oh my God, what movie were you watching? And so I just don't get it. Like, where are you getting the sexist from? It would have been more sexist if they treated her like some dainty little like Oh, she's just some dainty prisoner. To yeah, yeah, Taking exactly. To Red Walk to get home. Red Walk. Yeah. We'll go Red Walk, Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, they treated her like she was a fugitive, pretty much. Yeah. Like, he would treat any other fugitive. Yeah. But when John is reading the letter in the in the stagecoach. <laughs> yeah, he's so uh, proud of it. And he's like, he's like, uh, ah, ah, and he's just holding Mary it. Todd. He's cradling <laughs> it. Old Mary Todd. And it's like, <laughs> and that's the part that later on. Chris Mannix is like, yeah. oh, Mary Todd, that's good. <laughs> like, and that, it's like, of course, that's the thing that chokes up liberal white people in that era. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, oh, cor- the sort of the sentimentality, the family values kind of thing. And uh, I, I, that's when I actually started to really like Chris is towards that end negotiation thing. Once he gets called off the wall because he didn't drink any coffee, I started to like that character more. Also because he finally is against Daisy, who is totally a villain and like has all these helpers there. Yeah. Like, yeah. At first, he's, like, into helping Daisy out because he's like, eh, fuck the Northerners. Mm-hmm. But then he realizes, like, he, he's gonna die. Yeah. When they're at the table and John finds out that the letter is fake, it really, it was, like, super deep. <sighs> so sad. Because the Samuel L. Jackson, he's like, oh, he says something like, oh, did I hurt your feelings? And he goes, you know what? You did. And I was like, damn. Like, that's <laughs> deep. Like, He's just like, you know what? You did hurt my feelings. And I'm like, oh, 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 you hurt my feelings. <laughs> you big bear. So um, but yeah, and then uh, and then as far as Chris Mannix, especially the first time I watched the film, because I, like, I didn't know what was, what was going to happen throughout the movie, I hated Walter Goggins' character the most because to me, he came off as the most racist. Oh, yeah. And I, I didn't like... he was so like... about the Southerners. Like, he was oh, just yeah. so, like... Even, I... even the Confederate 
the uh, the old man general, he was like like at least courteous or like polite about yeah. it. Like he really didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Like he had to get ruffled up towards the end to really yeah. really get him out. But Chris is like such a dick. The whole well, and he time. seemed so he seemed like such a ticking time time bomb. And in the moments where right before Samuel L. Jackson starts harassing uh, Bruce Stern's character, the, the old man, and Walter Goggins is like, "Hey, you leave him alone!" Like I was scared. Like I thought that he was gonna be like this awful like guy that's gonna end up killing everybody. But at the end of the film, he's like quote unquote like him and Samuel L. Jackson are like the two kind of heroes at the end. Yeah. And yeah, as soon as he calls him off the wall, that's yeah. when I started to like Chris Mannix. I was like, oh, it's gonna be these two, yeah. a racist and a black man, are gonna be poised against a room full of white people. And, horror- and then the last chapter is called A Black Man and White Man's Hell. And I was like, oh my God. That's what this is all headed towards. Well and it's weird because the end, the very end scene, like when they hang Daisy, you like, I forgot how much they disliked each other at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're two, like, giggling, like, they look like, I mean... They look like friends. They, yeah, they're, I mean, they're... <laughs> and he gets to crumple up the letter in blood, and, like, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Samuel Jackson, when but he hands it off, it's like, of course you're gonna destroy they're acting, like, it's yeah. time. They're acting like that because there's a lot of blood loss, and they're basically bleeding out, and they're gonna <laughs> die, so that's why they're acting like that. But they're ready to but give they, up all their pretenses. They look you know? like yeah. they just had like a really fun sleepover and they're like really drunk. Yeah. That's kind of what it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind Chris's character just because he just seemed like one of those and he was hot. like Well, yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, totally. But I didn't um he came off as one of those like good old boys type characters. Like I feel like the old guy Woo-hoo! was really calm about it because he I mean, one who's older, but like he kind of understood the way things are. He was like, "We're fighting for the way things are. It, mm-hmm. This isn't some kind of like." He's also the most honest pro- character. Yeah, like when like, he says to the sheriff, he's like, "It's true. Like this yeah. is how it works." Yeah, I'm into this family. Well, that's that got why me this job. Well, he was kind of annoying. Chris's character was definitely annoying, but maybe the it's old annoying man was he's also like because he's so honest. He's like, so honest about. Yeah, he was so honest about it. He was annoying to me because he's such a kiss ass. So, like, when he sees the general, he was just like, oh, well, we need to reminisce about the good old South. Like, the general doesn't give a shit. He's in Wyoming, you know, in the middle yeah. of, like, a mountain. Like, he he's just chilling there. And you don't really understand why he's there either. But he, he's just there and whatever. He's but you also through. don't know, like, what he's gone through when yeah. they have that conversation. Like, he's like, you know, ask people to come in here. And I feel like <laughs> not leave this place. Well, it's like he like Chris's character is like those guys that like have such pride for the army or anything. for like the military. They have or such the pride war. for anything or the war, but they never actually were involved in it. Whereas like the old guy, like he has pride in it, but he was involved with it too. So he's not gonna sit there and like be giddy about it because he saw too much. Yeah. Whereas like Chris's character was annoying because he's one of those guys that loves the military but will never join it. Loves the war, but, like, never (laughs) experienced it. So he, like, kind of is this annoying guy that's like, if you were actually there, like, you would probably be a little bit more calm about this. Or you would come out as more of a sheriff and not some, like, kid. Like, you're a grown man and you're acting like this. Calm down. I want a Chris Mannix spinoff movie and I want a Daisy Domergue, uh Domingue Gray gang movie. That'd be awesome. And I want a Minnie's Haberdashery movie where like the characters just like stop in and they're just like there just like making stew and stuff and eating candy. <laughs> I like um, Samuel L. Jackson's like description of Minnie. 
Because then when they show her, she seems so pleasant. But, like, when he was describing her, like, she's, like, every time they described her, she seemed kind of like a hard ass. Like, yeah. She has these rules, like, yeah. no hats. Like, you have to do all these other things. And then they show and her. And she's, no like, so pleasant. to, like... It's funny because all those characters are hating on colored people so much. And then Minnie's colored. And I was like, that was the least thing I expected because Me of too. people's attitudes. <laughs> I was like... I was, I, I, was, not I was actually blown out. Like, my mind was blown out. I was like, Minnie's black? Like, but yeah. they all are, like, so unfriendly to black people, except, like, they, they all, like, speak of her, like, so well. And it's just, so like, highly. it's just a very strange it was so paradigm weird. shift. Yeah. Where, and it was probably, like, it was probably not a, like, untrue thing where there was, like, certain people travelers really liked, regardless of prior bias. And yeah. Minnie's just so cool like that. Well, and I just thought it was funny that, like, Minnie, like, all these people, all these people came in and out of the haberdashery. And he was like, well, she doesn't like dogs and she doesn't like Mexicans. And I was like, Mexicans are the though? ones that she didn't like. And then she, like, forgave the dog rule, but, like, still <laughs> but kind I of feel like... like just because someone, I mean, I didn't think of this. Someone, I read someone online say this, but because when she... I think it might have been, though. Well, when the, when the guy... What was his name? The guy that's in the Domingue gang. When, when that, Marco the Mexican is, walks in, she doesn't have any problem yeah, with him. Yeah, she doesn't. I noticed yeah. that too. I was like... Or is that just in the flashback, like a mess up or she something? She didn't well, seem she to didn't have a problem. Well, she didn't talk a lot either. He just was like Bob. Like, he didn't really like speak enough for you to know either way. And then he goes and watches the chess. Like, so he, she's in like a separate scene in the same yeah. room. Yeah. She's talking to T- Channing Tatum. <laughs> I like how he's in the movie for like a second. Literally two seconds. So cool. <laughs> And I laughed, like, it wasn't until, like, they, like he fires the shot through the boards. I was like, who the? Then they go to the flashback, oh, and just, I was like, It's Channing oh Tatum God. trying to get into the Channing movie. Channing fucking Tatum. <laughs> was, I was so happy, because I was like, you've done some funny stuff, but this is, like, this Well, is it was hilarious, too, when he walked up the stairs, and then, like, <laughs> he had his hands up, and they're like, like, okay, get rid of him. <laughs> you just know, yeah. I was like, okay, he was in the movie for two minutes. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> does, like, limit his hunks to very a small amount of screen time. Because I think it's uh, Sin City. Josh Hartnett is in the intro and the exit. <laughs> and he's just like, these re- this really quick role is like a hot detective. But then they just get, like, you just see ugly people. Except I like how you put your, your hand into, like, a gun position when you said hot detective. He's got, he's got well, yeah. <laughs> Channing Tatum is a really endearing actor. So many people want to hate him. The people that dislike like hunky stars, like hunky jockey. It's annoying. It's the same. They have a sense of humor about themselves. He doesn't act the way he looks, and that makes him pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Is it Channing Tatum in Ghostbusters? No, that's the other guy. That's um, Chris Hemsworth. Thor. Yeah, it's Chris Hemsworth. Okay, see, like he has a very good sense of humor about. And he's like, he's 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 exactly the same. That's great. Like you have to have that sense. I know why. Clearly has it. I know why you said Channing Tatum. Because the slick back hair actually it's is the what same, I was thinking. It's like the same concept. Yeah, he could have he could have easily played that role too. Yeah, but he got a Tarantino movie, which I, like I'd rather get the Tarantino movie. Oh, Did yeah, you see him definitely. in uh, this is is it called This is the End? Yes. Oh my god! When he steps out of the bus and he's just like, and they're just like, "This is Channing Tatum," and he's like on all fours. <laughs> oh, that movie uh, is, is so Mino. funny. So, so with Jay-Z, I just love, I just love her hair. It's so beautiful. If you listen I back to character. this episode, like, we've touched on everything that is why Daisy is, like, sexy and cool. Like, yeah, very re- so, yeah. reserved. Like, she speaks her mind, 
even though there's kind of I want to know. I want to oh, yeah. know what Daisy is like, not handcuffed and not told to be quiet. Like, what's her real if they personality? Do a Daisy movie that would be amazing, and yeah. it would be crazy bloody. Yeah. Like that movie would be insanely bloody. Oh, and I also love. I want to say that I loved. So I I hated how uh, like physically violent uh, John is towards Daisy, but when he's not punching her in the face. He kind of acted like he was her dad or something. Like he wipes when they're eating, he he wipes soup off of uh-huh. her chin. Yeah. And he's like, here you go, little darling. I mean he doesn't say that, he but he's like so... very like he's what's funny is like you he's want the him... purest person. Yeah, like, yeah. As, you... He's as pure as you get. You want him to be so nice to her. I, I just hung on every time he was like kind. And it hurts so bad when he would like hit her and stuff. But as soon as he was nice, I'm like, oh, oh him and the driver, my little babies. I was actually super sad when they were when they Obi. were dying. Yeah, yes, when Obi, Obi dies. Ugh. So wait, I was like, you were saying, it looked so painful. <laughs> you were saying that the hardest scene for you to watch, Markella, was the story about the son. What yeah. was the hardest scene for you? Because mine, oh, mine the is... coffee. And one. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me clarify. It wasn't the flashbacks of the son. It was the son. entire story. It was, it was the parts when he was telling the dad about it, like the whole like hurting old people's feelings like oh. crushes me but see yeah, I, the coffee scene was i was like oh shit it for me so when painful. when obi so he sends painful. obi out with the gun parts to go throw in the outhouse yeah. when obi comes back and he's like you Cold. son of a bitch <laughs> you died out there <laughs> having lived in minnesota and like seeing how red his face and like how fucked up he looked i was like I was like, I got the physical oh, yeah. chills of like, oh god. I've been. He, I was like, that guy's really, really fucking pissed. Cold. If he doesn't, if he doesn't kill everybody right now, like this movie's gonna keep going. But oh like, no! I lived in Alaska, and that shit is real. When it gets windy, have you, you get, are like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was like, how is he even coming? Like, the how cold are is you... a huge character in this movie. Like, yeah. there's two rituals that get repeated. There's so you guys have been stuck caravan. out in windy snow before. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, it's awful. So I did that once, and I had I was dressed for the snow, but and I was fucking in my neighborhood i was walking to my house in the windy snow whereabouts in what area so i was in richmond beach at the time okay and so i wanted to get like on all fours and like crawl because i couldn't open my eyes and i couldn't see and i started crying and i was like am i gonna die in my driveway it's so rough and like, I, it was like seattle washington like in a, in a cozy neighborhood and i thought i was gonna die so like what he went through I it's rough, like, if you live in snowy areas, you can prepare yourself as much as physically possible. It's nothing, it still sucks, like, you're in, I don't know, like, five, I mean, six yeah. feet of snow, or, yeah. like, three to four feet of snow, you have boots on, you have, like, a hundred different layers on, snow pants, sweaters, jack. you're walking slow, like, there's no way to walk fast in snow boots at all. I remember days um, where I tried to, like, go to my friend's house, and it was so cold, and the wind was blowing in just the right direction, where the air was sucked out of my lungs, Yeah. And I was like, I have to turn around because I feel like I'm going to die. Oh, yeah. And it feels terrible. It feels horrible. It does not feel good. So, like, I, like, like, totally felt Obi's pain. Like, the old guy getting offended. I cry at, like, Big Fish, which is all about (laughs) sad old people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, love that movie still. But, like, this I was like, eh, the Confederate had it coming. But Obi... Obi, he didn't hurt anybody. Why no. did he have to go like, out the cold? Like, you have a face mask on. Like, oh, I can still so remember brutal. the pain of just, like, Ugh. cold wind. But what about, like, and then open. what about when he drinks the coffee and he's, like, coffee? Well, that I was like, like, you already, I was like, that's just relief from the cold, man. At least you're not <laughs> cold. At least you're not wow. cold, Obi. Yeah. Hot, hot blood. Yeah. That <laughs> part was, like, that's the part that was worse for me. I was like, oh, my gosh, no. I, and I when was Obi actually, started like, dying, I was like, no. 
So this Obi movie did has nothing. one like he is definitely not. He was literally eight. not the least hateful person in the entire movie. There's one thing I would like love to do a podcast on, which is a discussion about this movie and John Carpenter's The Thing, because I think it's no coincidence that well, Kurt Russell's in a movie about cold ass fucking and winter. And some of the music and is from paranoia. The thing. Oh, is it really? Yeah, some of the. Yeah. I missed out on this. Yeah. <laughs> So some of the music from the Hateful Eight is from is like music they didn't use for the thing. I am really glad which, that there are those parallels. Which is a horror film, and so I it's mean, it's a thriller and a suspense movie, really. Yeah. And it, actually, this movie plays on the exact same suspense, which is the enemy is among us, and we don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. Except it's a this lot time, like, it's all humans. It's a lot like the thing. Uh, yeah, I I thought the parallels to the thing were. For me, completely, like, I just couldn't ignore them. And they helped the movie for me. Like, it didn't make it... Like, it wasn't like it wouldn't stand well on its own. But for me, the respect it had for the thing enhanced the movie. Like, oh. Exactly. This is the kind of paranoia you might not have been prepared for. But it creates this thrill where you're just like, oh, fuck. Who did poison the coffee? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was so mad at myself when I didn't figure it out sooner. I mean, because I felt like they were making it too obvious, so it couldn't have been, like, Bob. I was like, eh, it can't be Bob. They're pointing the fingers at him I thought like, that way that too Joe... much. But... And Bob was playing piano. Like, yeah. I was like, I, yeah. when they made the accusation, I was like, Bob was playing piano during that story. Like, yeah. concrete footage of him getting down, and, like, he yeah. fucks up the song. When he fucked up the song, I was like, he's there for a reason. Like, yeah. he's not just playing piano... So this scene has a background music. But I was like, is it the English guy? Because he came off weird off the bat, too. I suspected little man. I knew, Who's like, he had something with to the do bandana? with it. Joe Gage. Joe Gage. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I thought... AKA Grumpy... Oh, his name is great. It's like Grumpy Miller or something. Yeah. And it's Michael Madsen, who was the only person, when they first kick open the door, and you hear the general and little man, the mm-hmm. British guy, who you can see... Are yelling at the door. You can hear this third voice yelling the same thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's Michael Madsen right really? there. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it had to be, too, because he has such, like, a... It's he's, such a distinct voice. And Michael Madsen is, of course, Bud from Kill Bill. He is also in uh, Reservoir Dogs. Him yeah. and Tarantino were, like, tight yeah. as bros. Yeah, yeah. And he always gets to play, like, a hilarious, cool character. Always. So I thought up until the very end when they... When they all reveal that they're the gang, I thought that he was completely innocent. Like, I believed him when he was just like, I'm going to see my mama. And I'm like, oh, don't pick on him. Yeah. Have you guys heard about the original <laughs> endings? I was actually sad no. when he died, too. So yeah. a script yeah. for this movie Oh, yeah. No, wait. That's, that's the thing is I got so sad at everyone's death. They're all horrible, terrible, awful villains. And all of their deaths were really sad. Yeah. Anyway. I felt bad for all of them. That is one of my favorite things about Tarantino movies is his movies are about killers Mm -hmm. and by the end of every movie, the killer is the hero. So I just love killer heroes because it's that, it's the traditional black comedy is cheering for the bad guy and he is produced and directed some of like the best, some of the, yeah, the best versions of this. It's story always sunny it's, in like, Philadelphia. The, the movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I really loved was that it's a western where these are the tough guys, but cinematically, in like history, there's these characters a lot are a lot more black and white. There isn't that much more to them. These characters, they're really funny and they they're really sweet. In parts of the movie, and then they do these like really human things, like when Obi comes in and he wraps himself in the blanket, and he's like, "No, and he's in front of the fire." Oh, he's yeah. just like in the bear yeah. fur. In front, I was like, "That's yeah. bear fur." And and it's like that's a tough guy, and yeah. look how cold he is. He's 
He's fucking cold. And he's and pissed. So... Oh, and he's pissed. He like, he so turned pissed. his back yeah. to everyone. He was just like, fuck you guys. And I just like... love this movie for so many reasons, and that's totally one of them. Yeah. So I interrupted you again. I'm sorry. No, but uh, <laughs> that was, he was inspired by Western TV shows, like the Roy Rogers type shows, but mm-hmm. later on in the 70s and 80s. Wait, have you seen the Roy Rogers commercial from the 90s with Jillian Anderson? When they changed, when they changed their name to Hardee's? What? Yeah. That's what Hardee's is? Yeah. So she... Oh, F that. She was super, super <laughs> young. I'm flipping the table. <laughs> she was super young. My husband showed me this commercial, and so now every once in a while, because she has this amazing, thick, like, young Jillian Anderson voice, and She's so southern. my husband will come around the corner, I'll, like, meet him in the hallway, and I'm like, Roy Rogers? Roy Rogers? Because <laughs> she has this... In the commercials, she says the name, like, four times, and it's just like, Roy Rogers! <laughs> I have it stuck in my head like a song. You have to watch it. Everybody watch it. go to YouTube and type in Jillian Anderson, Roy Rogers commercial, or, like, Hardy's commercial, and it's probably the best two minutes of your entire life. Um, so coming back from yeah, the tangent, no, oh, yeah. this movie was... <laughs> Quentin Tarantino had seen these mov- these shows where it's a Western show, so... Every season, there's this episode where, like, all the villains of that season, like, capture the main heroes. And then you start to learn the villains' backstories. We should have talked about this earlier in the episode, really, because the whole theme of those stories is some people are telling lies and some are telling truths. So you actually learn, like, who's a bad guy, who's a good guy. And then you're kind of like, the liars are bad guys because they tell the story that's like, "Eh." and that's what's funny about the major is he's probably a good guy. But he tells a really fucked up story that's like we the, are like are you lying like it's just Samuel so, Jackson Samuel yeah. Jackson's but character he, but he's like, also a villain because he said he didn't care when he killed a bunch of innocent black people too and he said he joined the war oh but he didn't kill innocent to, black people he killed innocent Union soldiers there was it was implied well but weren't they prisoners? they don't say whether they're black or white. It's no, 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 no. They said the story. He there's a fire and like a I bunch of black people died as African- well. As oh, on top yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like, and he was so, like, I thought that they just said they were union. I didn't so, think they like, said they were colored. Tunnel visioned on killing white because he was like, I really just wanted to kill white people. Like, yeah, so he said major... he joined the war so yeah. that he could murder so as many that... people as possible. So when he set that building or whatever on, on fire, he didn't know that there was black people there, but they died. But when he, but then when he found out, he was just like that's fine yeah. so yeah he's a villain just as much as anybody else at the same time like he's even charming. when he was saying that <laughs> well no like even when he was like oh well didn't you know like there was black people there too or whatever and he i mean there's kind of a look on his face where he was just kind of like well i mean like i'm sure that, that he does <laughs> i'm sure that he does care but like yeah he cared but he's kind of kind of has to be a badass so what is he what do you want him to do like cry in front of you like they tried to make him seem like he was this awful person because he killed people from both sides. But it was like, I'm pretty sure he's seen a lot of people die. He's really... To the point where I really just think like, that he's the sexiest villain of this story because he's able to, with his words, like, first off, he gets Chris Mannix on his side. So he's able to get a Southern boy on his side and he's a black man who this man does not like at all. I feel like he's And the... he's also able to, like, turn everybody else into the enemy because he is logical and rational and they're not gullible, but they still have to go with that shit. Samuel yeah. L. Jackson's character is the main character in the film. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I mean, like that's why he has to last the longest. Yeah. But it's also he start he's he's in the beginning of the film and he's in the end of the film, and you get more of his 
backstory over anyone else. Oh, yeah. So in ensemble in ensemble films, there's always, like, that one main character, and I feel like he's the main character that we follow. Well, I mean, the three people who died last were in pretty much most of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Chris I think Maddox it's, it's, was yeah, the last Maddox, on screen. Yeah. I don't feel like that he was one of the main characters, though. I think he's just the other guy that survives, but I think that it's <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson and then Jennifer Jason Lee because she's the, the villain, and she's also at the beginning and at the end. And then I think the third main character is Kurt Russell mm-hmm. and he dies so early like so early I was so not thinking he was gonna yeah, die fact, he was gonna die that I early. mean the fact so yeah. watching this movie and I paused when the first person died and I was like look at this like an hour into this movie a Quentin Tarantino movie the first death yeah like yeah, yeah, is yeah. here like th- <laughs> that's how much tension he's building because yeah. usually it's like I mean at least 20 minutes max Oh my yeah. gosh. 20 minutes max and to then the first people, death. And then people were complaining that like, oh yeah, and then here Quentin goes again. Everybody, it's the end of his movie, so everybody dies. And everybody like, dying is a great to way me, to it's story. Like, cries to me, it's like, <laughs> oh well. Like, I just want to have like a cane and a top hat and yeah. be like, oh well, I'm singing a song. You deserve a... <laughs> like, what are you expecting for everyone to live? Like, have you never seen a Quentin Tarantino movie? Like, they all, it's always bloody. I know. Why are you complaining about I it know. being bloody? Don't watch Quentin and Tarantino movies. They're always you will always like, see sorry. Blood. You will always now see you blood. get a sorry song. Yeah. <laughs> like do you do you need us to bring you a tissue? Like do you want to cry to your mother? Like what is wrong with you? Why would you watch this movie and then be upset that you saw blood? Of course you were going to see blood. Of course people were gonna die. Everyone dies in all of his movies. All the time. People's complaints. I'm so happy that the Hateful Eight has as much praise as it does because it has too. such high praise. Like people are saying it's like 10 out of 10, you know, 5 out of 5, whatever, out of yeah. whatever. But I am surprised at the complaints that people have. I am super <laughs> surprised by the- Because I disagree I, with all of it. <laughs> yeah, same. And that was the other thing in the review that was like, oh, Quentin Tarantino making everything bloody. Like- Sorry. That's his move. Like, I'm sorry, oh, but well. you don't complain when they do yet another- whatever his name Sparks book which is pretty much the same thing to what is people that? like that Sparks N- Nicholas Sparks like they wait, do the same the, type wait. of movies all the time like no one complains oh like, I'm sorry I'm thinking about something <laughs> different like why are you complaining about that everybody has a thing that they do if he was to divert from that they complain about that like Quentin Tarantino usually does these type of movies why the hell did he do a movie like this like yeah. you would complain if he changed it so why are you complaining when he's keeping it the same Eric I remember what I interrupted you about you were going to tell us that there's alternate endings to the film. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there was going to be an ending where when Joe Gage admits that he poisoned the coffee, they're going to make him drink it. And this causes a, a shootout where they all die right there. Huh. I don't But they that. were like, let's drag this on more. <laughs> and I like what they did with it. I like, like it's what just they did actually, too. It's actually so much better... For everything going how it does, like there's the pacing, they just they were like, we got to slow this down. And they just, it's yeah. slow. But if you like these old, both television shows and movies from the 70s, and I always go back to one of my favorite movies, Yakuza from mm-hmm. 75. It's just got this beautiful storytelling, very, very slowly paced, like very realistic pace. But like the buildup is to this 
crazy ending. Like, the crescendo of this movie is not the longest part, but it's, like, very violent, and all this stuff gets resolved, and then you're like, damn, that was a great movie. Daisy really bounces back when her brother, after her brother gets shot. I I love her, like, transformation. Once, like, John dies, she has a little more power, and then once she's in a bargaining point, like, man, every word out of her mouth is like so conniving, so, yeah, so conniving. So conniving. But I love how um, that's when she really the, for me became a villain. She, that, yeah, she was she a has, victim up until then. She's handcuffed. She can't do anything, so all she can do is yell really horrible things because she can't fucking get she off the floor. She does her best, but then she really. I love her mainly because every time she got hurt, it was like nothing. Like she got shot in the foot. She screamed for a second, and then yeah. she was like over it. And then she's and, like walking. <laughs> yeah. When push came to shove, like, when she had to cut Homeboy's arm off and she was trying to, like, reach for the gun or whatever, and she was so close. But I loved her. Her bargaining was, like, totally on point. And I was like, yeah, all this sounds good to So she's really smart, too. I would choose that route. And then when Chris, like, (laughs) broke it down and he was, like... She's definitely a part of the gang right there. Because she's so intelligent. Yeah. She, as a gang member, would be very valuable. Because she can clearly interact with violent narcissists. And, like, she can work with criminals. That was a cool gang, man. Chris played himself (laughs) off as being way dumber than he looked until that point, too. Because he was, like, he sat down and was, like, wait a minute. If I'm supposed to believe 14 people are waiting for you in Red Roth, then why is all this things happening? Like, yeah, why, yeah, why aren't they exactly. coming Why did they do this why desperate did they struggle? Do... Yeah, He's yeah, the exactly. least gullible and yeah. the most honest in the end. Like, yeah. it's crazy. He was like, I don't believe for That's a second nice. you have people really waiting for you in Red Roth. You're not going to trick me into getting on your... Like, I don't believe you. Chris! <laughs> Chris! <laughs> and then I love how he's like, you're not going to believe her, are you? I'm like, dude, you're dying soon. Like, it don't matter. <laughs> If she, if you believed her or not, it don't matter. You're dying. He's just so principled <laughs> that he's just like, really? <laughs> but I just loved how he just sat down. And he was like, yeah, actually, that doesn't actually make any sense. Because Chris, you came like, off, gave a good injury thing. for injury, Chris might survive, but you want, I like want to believe I mean, everybody just I mean, but how is he going to get out of there, yeah. though? Yeah. Because yeah. like, there's no like search party coming. Like, well, yeah. And the storm was going to last for a couple more days. So he's just like, you're just, you guys are just going to bleed out for the next two days which kind of sucks but that's happening samuel jackson that that injury that is like i'm so you sorry. bleed out like so i don't know who i'm slow. apologizing to yeah but i'm so sorry that was a horrible injury so he gets <laughs> shot in the groin and like for like an anatomical discussion like there's these two veins on the inside of your leg where your like hip uh, meets the inside of your leg yeah if you yeah. sever those like, that's what people do when they kill themselves in a bathtub. Yeah. They slit those veins. Okay. He would have been dead in, like, very few minutes if one of those got breached. So you basically learn, because he lives for so long, that all that got fucked up was actually, like, non-vitals. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's such a brutal way to go. Like, it's <laughs> so violent, and it's not going to be a peaceful no. death at all. Whereas if you slit those veins on the inside of your leg, you actually kind of you die peacefully because it's, like, very fast. And it's like very major veins. You don't die peacefully unless your I mean, body goes into shock and it's like numb and you can't, your body's just like, you you don't you have slip. to feel this you baby. <laughs> yeah. It's just a couple of minutes and then you're pretty much done. But not him. Nope. That's a lot of bargaining for a dying guy. Uh, it's pretty bad. I actually kind of felt their pain a little bit when they were trying well, to hang that... her too. Oh. Well, no, when they were hanging, because like, you have to imagine like, they were they're like, like trying so to... injured. I was they actually like, so that was like where I had to suspend my disbelief because I was like. 
two guys <laughs> that fucked up like rigged her up and are like like how did no. they like that's what I was thinking this winch but I, I it's kind of love adrenaline. that scene because it they played so much on the severed like arm too like when they're hanging her I was like too. Holy crap. Oh yeah, and so um Daisy at the end when she ha- when she's covered in blood and she's sawing off John's arm, it was very reminiscent of the end of the Evil Dead remake. <laughs> When there's, like, blood everywhere and there's just all kinds of things getting hacked off. Which, I'm sorry, that's a good movie. People give that movie shit, and I'm sorry, but that's a really good movie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Spoilers, there's blood. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, what, uh, kind of, what kind of food is Daisy going to do? Oh, gosh. Hmm. I have to think about this, too. I have not given it one thought. Because she's so, there's so much to her. Probably just like hush puppies, you know, just like simple, kind of like pancakes, but they're not really pancakes. Hush puppies are like fried dough, right? Fried dough, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. that's like a southern thing. Sweet and southern, but not too sophisticated. Just simple. Every time I'm so, I keep trying to think of a food, and all I can think of is a big ball of hair covered with blood. (laughs) (laughs) That's not food. No, I mean it could be. Have I already said sea urchin? Yeah, yeah, you have. You know how in the food industry, companies will put, like, they'll use fingernails and ha- human hair and, like, animal hair and, like, like animal hooves and gristle and stuff like that? Can't Daisy just be, like, all, like, the hair and, like, fingernails and shit that, that companies like, will put in food for, like, to boost the protein of it? What if she's, like, a raspberry-flavored... <laughs> You're like, you're like, no, maybe raspberry. But think about ras- totally but raspberry, raspberry flavoring comes from she's like... She's just an onion. She's just so raspberry onion. flavor comes <laughs> from beaver anus or something I heard it was, terrible. I heard it was blue raspberry. Is it just raspberry in Is general? it blue raspberry? I think I had this conversation what? with a friend a couple weeks ago. Because it comes from a dark place, but it's really sweet. Like so raspberry. Ras- raspberry flavoring is the glands from like a beaver's I just never understood why they never body. just used raspberries. Because you can't get that flavor. They don't get the flavor right. Oh. It's very strange. So especially it's the raspberry candies or like the chocolates with like the raspberry flavor on it. Yeah. That's from beaver butts. Oh. I'm saying she's raspberry flavoring. Like sweet from but a dark place. I'm saying (laughs) onions just because... Just a basket of onions. She's just, she's an onion. Everywhere you slice it, there's layers to her. She makes you cry. She'll probably make you cry. She didn't make anyone cry in this movie, really. But she, I'm sure she'd made other people cry. These are really good, uh, really uh, good options, you guys. No matter how, like, depending on how you like to cook it, you're going to like it. Uh, I think that she's the unwanted protein that everyone wants to pretend isn't in their food. That's literally, like. Soy? No. No. Oh, the unwanted protein. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I like my soy protein. <laughs> no, she's like the human and animal hair and fingernails that they just kind of throw in there. The stuff that you don't want to think is in your food. That's like yeah. shed definitely in your food. She's the stuff. Yeah, she's yeah. like the skin flakes and all the stuff that ends up in your food. Uh, on purpose or not on purpose. Um, Cool. Is she hot? Yeah. I think she's hot. I think oh, yeah. she's hot too. She's and so not just because she's the only lady in this film until mm-hmm. the flashback, but because she's like unflinching in the face of violence, you can oh, tell yeah. how violent she is. Yeah. And she's also very conniving. Once she realizes she can talk without being killed, she uses her words very carefully. Oh, yeah. And 
sells it. Like, I was totally like, 15 guys. I can't believe she just kept talking. She got hit so hard. And she just She always seemed like she had a plan, though. From the beginning. That's why I think she was worried in the one shot we talked about earlier. I think maybe she had an inkling that because she was where she was, and there just happened to be this delay, she's like, wow, we really are going to get to this checkpoint, and my boys are going to be there. We're not gonna get there late, like yeah. too late. Like this is gonna, this is gonna be really fucked up. She might be the only character who has an inkling of what's coming in, yeah. the, in the following film that we don't know is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we one didn't... of my favorite. Oh sorry. Now one of my new favorite villains. I just want yeah. them to do another movie. I'm on so her. glad you guys like that movie. I was so excited when I heard you hadn't seen it yet. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I really liked it. I just need an excuse to watch it, and I think I wanted to wait to see it in 70 millimeter because I understood why he filmed it such. But it was good to have seen it beforehand because now yeah. I would like to go see it at the festival. Oh, I'm yeah. completely fine with seeing it, knowing what I know. But to see it in higher detail and like really just really Can just you get imagine a somebody watching that on their that cell room. phone. Ugh. Oh god, it'd be awful. I was so glad I was like cozy in my bed, like oh shit, like watching this movie. <laughs> so good. I was just on my couch and I had to explain what I was watching when people in my house were like, "What's with all these end bombs?" <laughs> It's not Django. It's research. It's, it's, it's oh, I'm not watching Django. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're close. <laughs> okay, um, we actually haven't picked which person we're doing next month. Oh. So I'm assuming we're doing a dude. Well, I just started yeah. watching or re-watching Dexter, and there's a lot of dude villains that are awesome in that show. Should we do Dexter? There's a ton or of so, them to okay. pick from. Fourth yeah. season with John Lithgow. Oh my god, so good. Last one I watched. Do you want to do the oh John my gosh. Lithgow? Okay, well, that who's... one was good. I'm all down for John Lithgow. I'm down to do his... Lithgow's hot. He's, cool. <laughs> it's such a good season, too. It's like so you'll, you'll enjoy it. So we are going to do, for our next villain, John Lithgow from season four of Dexter. Yeah, we we'll should... do we'll do Dexter proper in the future. John Lithgow, just, he totally nails this wow. character. It's so good. So and good. if you agree and are excited about the John Lithgow episode, tell us in a Creep Corner story. <laughs> uh, creep Corner stories, you can send it in. You can send something in about any villain you can imagine. You can talk about aliens. You can talk about, what are our examples? I don't I mean, know. Joker and Harley Quinn. You can talk. You can cover villains we haven't covered or the ones that we have before. Yeah. We definitely love to recap. You know, if any, if we miss something on our first episode with Freddy Krueger, we will definitely talk about that at the start of the show. I love hearing people gush about villains because I know, I mean, I see people talking about this all the time. So I want people to talk about it to us so we can share it with all of you guys. So if you send us a story, you would be sending it to hotbadpod at gmail.com. And you can all, you can actually, if you don't feel comfortable sending it through an email, there's actually a, a submit button on our Tumblr page, which is hotbadpod.tumblr.com. And if you click on that submit button, you can send it literally anonymously, which all of the Creep Corner stories we receive, we can read them anonymously. And through an email, I guess you wouldn't be anonymous to us. But if you sent it through the Tumblr account, there's an option you click on that just says anonymous. And uh, and then you can just do it that way. Or you can give us your full name and your location. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're we'll eager. read it on the air. We're yeah. eager to interact with you. We're just, Get in touch. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us. Next time is going to be Dexter. Yay! Season four, John Lithgow. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs)